Hey, thanks for watching. I'm your host, Chris Swainhart, and this is Gunstuff. Gunstuff is dedicated to arming America one law-abiding citizen at a time. Now, just pause a minute. What's that mean to you? Let that sink in because that's going to be very important uh, during our show today. We have great guests today. Gas pedal. Now, uh, you're going to stick around. If you've gotten our email, which, by the way, you should have, if you've signed up, uh, go to gunstuff.tv. Make sure that you sign up for our email blast. If you got it, you'll learn that today we're going to show you a better, a faster way, and a more reliable way, and a more accurate way of shooting a handheld pistol. Now, you may wonder just how that's going to happen. Well, stick around, and you're going to find out. And then Greg Medford from Medford Knives is in our studio today. They have some knives that are simply a cut above any of the competitors. You stick around and you'll agree with us. And also, RonitaVive.com. Now, you may not know about that, but by the time we're finished today, you're going to know and you're going to want to support this nonprofit. Uh, they have a, a, a story that will leave you speechless. There's no question about it. You know, right behind us, right behind us, you see the Arizona mountains. Now, this is the beautiful land of the free. This is where just a few miles from here, people are crossing and trying to get into this country at record numbers. Now, I'm not blaming them. They're the rational actors in this great scenario. They're looking for a better life. Now, whether or not this country can absorb every single person in the, in the whole world and have them not even be vetted when they come in here. Well, that's a question that we should talk about some other time. But I wanted you to see just how many have been coming into this country. This chart here from the Pew uh, Research Center, you'll see that during the Trump administration, the people breaking into this country was at an all-time low, dating back to the 70s. Then, today, in today's world, thanks to this Biden administration, you'll see that it's just last year we set a big record. Well, believe me, 2023 is going to blow right through that record. Uh, this, ch this chart is, is way outdated. You're going to see that even more and more people have jumped in this country illegally. What kind of cost does it present to the people in the United States? Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about it and how supporting the cartels in Mexico is causing real world grief and terror and pain. Our first guest is going to talk about that. But before then, let me bring in our co-hosts. Scott, Ursula, uh, now, Every state is a border state. Now, Ursula's right here. She's in law enforcement. She's familiar with the problem. What about you, Scott? Uh, do they have any illegal uh, aliens in Kentucky, or do they stay out of the state of Kentucky? Uh, no, it's, I think the entire nation is is affected by it, uh, and you know, for the most part, we don't have a whole lot of problems around here. Most most of the people that make it this far into the country are just looking for work, and they're they're joining the workforce and and and, and getting right to work. So, you know, but it it is one of those things. You know, I mean, you 
things get strained and stuff like that. Uh, the systems, the, the, all the things that we have in place to help people, uh, when, when they need it. So those, those are resources that, you know, do get taken up a little bit. Uh, but we don't have as much, a, much of a, a problem here because we're right smack dab in the middle of the country so it takes a minute to get to where we're at yeah and agriculture uh and, and you know what these are great people like i said they're the rational actors but there are some bad actors ursula uh do you ever find any of those i know you're in the legal system do you ever find any bad actors undocumented uh, aliens of course, of course not depends on if you listen in mainstream media oh okay. but no but there's a lot like and uh, speaking, you know, to add on what Scott was saying, yeah, it does cause a huge strain on the system that we have here. So as in not just our law enforcement system, but also some of the public resources that we do have. So there's people right now who can't even get like EBT benefits, things like that, healthcare that are actual U.S. citizens, mainly vets as well, that can't get any help, any assistance. Why? Because it's going to a whole bunch of undocumented uh, illegals. So as our the current administration is like is horrible we already know they're just letting everybody their mom over so they can get votes and yeah, there was a comment here uh from mark elias already said that yeah we've been under evasion and and have been for years oh absolutely absolutely but nobody's willing to have that conversation well we're gonna have it today and uh uh but not right now we're gonna postpone it to, uh, for a little bit later we on need, in the we show have like a gun stuff like after dark like just unedited just <laughs> yeah not suitable for tv yeah, I, uh, we'll, we'll need to uh, bring our editors in the studio and uh, hit the bleeper button. Uh, so uh, usually at this time in the show, we're always talking about featured firearms. And today is no exception. Scott, I'm going to let you uh, start off. We're talking today about the SAR USA P8L Stainless Edition. And I've got one right here in the studio. And, and, and there it is in all its glory. And uh, Ursula, she's, I'm like, she just wants to I touch it. That one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, I haven't been in the studio for two weeks. Yeah. yeah. Somebody decided to get sick on kind of vacation, and here we are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> here she is. She wanted to make sure I was COVID-free. You know, she's a big talker, but hey. Uh, well, Scott, like, let's get on the subject here. Tell us about yeah. this SAR. You know all about yeah, it. Yeah, so we had we had a chance to take this out. We did a, a couple range videos with it, uh, you know, when SAR first started to bring these to market uh just a little while back and we took this out we shot it uh this is the sarsilmas p8l and uh just it's a little bit longer barrel on it and so i think i believe that's what the l is for and this is the all stainless model and this is the like your target competition model uh holds 17 rounds has a ported barrel uh, to help reduce muzzle flip and, and things like that. Uh, adjustable sights. This is, a, of course, a hammer fire gun. Uh, the trigger on this was 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 pretty good, but uh, it but very, very round, as you can see. So it felt a little different when you shot it. But the grip on this, I thought, felt really good. It's got the uh, polymer grip on it, so it was nice and nice and uh it filled up your hand really well. Uh, Seventeen round magazine with a with one with one in the chamber, so you had a lot. You know, you get in there for competition, but it was a uh, metal mags. It shot really, really well for our video. But the biggest thing, you know, being all stainless, you know, you got a little bit of that weight to absorb some of that recoil, uh, and really makes it shoot a little smoother. So Ursula, uh, you got your hands on it. Uh, what's your what's your take on it? So it's super positive thumb safety. Uh, I do like that. The trigger is pretty curved. I have other people in the, in the studio right now. And last thing I need to do, be like, oh, just waving the gun around. Um, trigger is curved. But one thing I actually thought that was super interesting, I hope I can pick that up on video. There we go. Is that 
actually inside of the trigger guard is actually curved upward too. So if you wanted to wear gloves or things like that, if you live in one of those climates where you have to, because uh, we don't here in Arizona, just saying, um, you do have that space for it. The trigger uh, press does feel good. It feels like it's actually double and single action. And my only complaint, I'm just going to actually put the complaint out there, is like, granted, look at the price, is that they have regular dot uh, sites. Or they are adjustable, though. We'll give you that for your rear sight. But I would definitely like to shoot this. So... Hey, well, we might be able to make that happen, Ursula, but you'd have to behave a little bit better than you've been behaving this far in the show. So, hey, guys, uh, $767. It's the gun stuff price, $549. Now, we looked that up. That's the lowest price anywhere on the Internet. Uh, but uh, we're running low in stock. This is the only one, so you better hurry if you are interested. Scott, thanks for your uh, hands-on. By the way, Scott, I think you did a whole in-depth review on this did you not yeah yeah we did we took it out but this was this about a year or two ago oh, yeah. uh, that we took it out and shot it and we did a, a complete workup on it we shot mm -hmm. put a lot of rounds through it and and really put it through its paces and it shot it, it handled well no jams no problems so you know just really well-rounded pistol thanks scott thanks Ursula. now we're going to be right back with this quick commercial announcement Defunding the police. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. So yes, defund your butts. Defund you. We will be moving funding from the NYPD. Yes, I support the defund movement. Yeah, and you know, a lot of us were asked if we could imagine a future without police back in 2017 when we were running for office. And I answered yes to that question. We are going to reduce funding in the police department. When they're saying defund the police. When we said defund the police, the world woke up. Our first guest, I believe, is going to come down on, uh, on my side. Let me see if I can push the right buttons right here. And uh, Adriana, are you there? Yes. Hello. Good morning. How are you, Chris? Hey, Adriana, thanks for being with us on our show today. Thank uh, you for having me. We know quite a bit about what was going on, uh, and we've got some media here to share. Why don't you tell our viewers, uh, I, I build this as the real-world cost of uh, of eliminating the borders and cooperating with cartels. Uh, your family uh, has experienced this in a direct and personal way. Uh, Adriana, why don't you tell us a little bit about it and give our audience just some background? Yeah, for sure. Well, well, I'm here today because, well, really in honor of my sister. Um, my sister and her four children were murdered and burned alive in what is um, known as the La Mora Massacre. Um, this happened uh, just across the border, honestly, miles from the Sonora border. And um, cartels opened fire on them. They were traveling. They were heading from their home in Sonora to Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, in broad daylight, 1030 in the morning, cartels opened fire on them and then burned the vehicle while they were still alive. It was my sister and four of her children. Um, 
12, 10, and two eight-month-old twins. Um, they were one of three vehicles that were traveling on that road. They were all women and children, um, all mothers. The other two vehicles um, were carrying one, one more mother and uh, a baby. The mother was murdered and the baby was survived. The other vehicle had 10 people in it. It was a mother and her nine children, um, two of whom were murdered with her. Um, she was murdered and the other children were just left riddled with bullets on the side of the road. Um, honestly, I, I, I'm from Mexico. I was born in Mexico, grew up there. And um, over the last 20 years, the escalation of violence and the deterioration of law in, um, in my country has been um, absolutely horrifying. But honestly, we never imagined that we had gotten to the point where something, something like what happened to my sister could possibly happen. Um, since then, we've really like moved into activism and kind of learning more about what's actually going on in Mexico and why the cartels have, um, how they've been able to gain so much power. Um, the murder rates, kidnapping rates, um, extortion rates in Mexico have skyrocketed in the last 20 years. And on the U.S. side, you think, you know, the same cartels are the ones that are fueling the fentanyl overdoses. They're fueling the human trafficking. They are fueling the immigration crisis that we're facing. They're all the border on the violence is due to these cartels. So to me, they're not cartels, they're terrorists. And my goal is to have them declared terrorists by the Mexican government as domestic terrorists and the world to declare them international terrorists because it's what they are. They create terror. They didn't murder my sister for a personal vendetta, but they knew it was women and children and they murdered them anyways. And they did it because they are trying to control the territory. So imagine you have this happening literally on your border. You could, you could walk to the border from where this happened. Right. <clears throat> and, um, so obviously, I have very, very strong opinions about what's going on on the border. Um, obviously, I'm very pro-immigration, but I think uh, that the country uses uh, uses people um, because if if you just open the border and just let them in, it's not dignified. There's no visas. There's no access to travel. It's not legal immigration. So we completely leave. We haven't funded legal immigration in years. We haven't made any real changes to what that should look like in decades. But yet it's an open border policy. It should be the opposite. It should be very easy, easy to become a legal immigrant. You put in your paperwork in a few months, you have a visa with full rights to travel, everything's good. But that border is the most secure border in the world because we have cartels on that other side of that that want to murder everybody. So so, so here's a question for you. I, just going along with you. Sorry to interrupt, but you, you said it right there. If we made it easy and, and people could uh, do paperwork and come across legally, what would that do to the cartels? Well, well it would take a huge source of funding away for them from them to begin with, right? I mean, human trafficking, the very people that murdered my sister run the human trafficking rings on the border right there. They were found, you know, when when the first time they were on trial, those, those that data came up. Um, we're fighting the same people. So the question I have then for you, Adriana, is 
if that's the case, it sounds to me like Congress doesn't act because they're in the hands of cartel lobbyists. They're, they're, they must be profiting. The government must be profiting from some way by cooperating with the cartels. You know, if they wanted, it would, if it was just immigration, they'd open the borders and, 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 and uh, put all the allocation towards paper pushers and, uh, you know, uh, rubber stamps and so forth and let people come in. And I think that'd be great. But no, no. What they want to do is they want this violence to continue. You've got some some other media here. Uh, maybe you can comment on th this. This isn't just a random photo. Uh, no, that's yeah, that's the vehicle that my sister was in. Um, we personally put their bodies into the uh, uh, sorry into their coffins. So um, to say, yeah, to say that this is all very personal and real for me. Um, is putting it mildly um, in her honor, so to speak, on Ronita Viva and kind of what we do there. Uh, my sister's name was Ronita. Ronita Viva stands for Ronita Lives. So what we've really tried to do is find a way to make a difference. What's going on? So we started a nonprofit. Uh, it's a 501c3. We have offices in Utah as well as Mexico City. Um, a staff of lawyers and social workers and even media personnel that really have helped us um, tell the stories because the only way to really get anything done and anywhere really in Mexico, especially is through social pressure. You know, people have to know what's happening. So we um, advocate for other victims who have been through the same things we have been through. You know, we uh, assign lawyers and social workers to each case and kind of um, maybe it's a pro bono lawyers needed. Sometimes we are able to just find them the right lawyer for their a particular case. Other times we actually just advocate for them personally through the justice system, like how to go about seeking justice. But honestly, it it cannot be understated what's happening in Mexico. There is a tsunami of violence that is, I, to say it's coming our way, it's already here. You, you're feeling it, right? Everybody's kind of feeling like the human trafficking numbers, right? It's like, in the news a lot and you're thinking maybe you were asleep or were, you weren't paying attention. No, the reason why you're hearing about it so much is because the numbers are skyrocketing. The reason why you're hearing about the border violence and all of a sudden the border's an issue is because the murders, the disappeared, the kidnappings, the numbers are out of control, absolutely out of control. And they're using the chaos that's happening on the border to get away with all of it, right? Because they're putting you in one camp or the other. Either you're just, you know, you're a racist. So you just, that's why you want, you know, the, a secure border. Or or you're, you're either for us or against us. And it's just not the case. We should all be for legal immigration. Legal immigration is beautiful. People wait in line for 15 years just to get a visa. It's ridiculous. I don't know if anybody has watched like The Covenant yet, the movie, right? The the war hero that, that was just trying to get a visa for the person who saved his life. It's impossible to get a legal visa in this country. It's actually a joke. But if we revamped and took all the funding that we're using on the border for undocumented and actually revamped legal immigration and then used funding to close and secure that border where people are getting murdered and raped and cartels are just coming at will with absolutely no stop. It's make it make sense. That's the way I think. It's just, it doesn't make sense. And it's for sure counterproductive. I feel that they, that they are using 
the Latin American people and obviously the people that come in from other countries as well, because if they don't dignify them with a visa, they kind of have that control because they're going to do whatever you tell them to do, right? Because they're just fearing for their lives. So they're not giving them a dignified immigration process. And I think that that's what everybody deserves. Adriana, uh, you were telling me uh, before the show that those pictures there of that vehicle in fact, we saw in the video here, we saw smoke still coming up from it, that you folks had to be the first on the scene. Now, to me, that's horrific. I can't believe it. My mother sat next to the vehicle of her burned daughter and grandchildren for 24 hours before a team of forensics showed up, personally, by herself. Why do we allow such... A travesty of going on. Why do we support the cartels all in the name of political correctness uh, and at the same time making our communities less safe and then going after law-abiding gun owners that want to protect themselves? We're in uh, the worst of all scenarios. It's basically the collapse of this country. Now, you've got some more photos here. Uh, why don't you tell our viewers what they're looking at? So this is my sister. Um, this is the last trip where I saw her. We're out on a razor ride. Um, it's a muddy girls ride that we put on every year. And um, this, I, this photo actually comes with a video of her laughing and smiling. It's one of our favorites. But my sister was an angel among us. Honestly, she was the sweetest person you could have ever known. And this is Crystal. She was 10 years old. Um, she was, her body was... Um, her burned body was in the fetal position so, so tight that the little piece of the purse that she was holding survived the leather inside of it. She was holding, and those are the two twins that were, that were burned with her. Unbelievable. So what have been the, the uh, response from Mexico government in regards so, to this? So Mexico, um, it's really hard because so the current administration's slogan is abrazos no balazos, no balazos. It means hugs, not bullets. Mm -hmm. And um, so hugs. So we're, we're supposed to hug the cartels, I guess, right? We're supposed to forgive them for what they're doing, not fight against them. So mm -hmm. to say that, um, you know, they put up a statue and gave us like their version of due diligence, but there is no active... Uh, there's just there's not a campaign against cartels. There's not a campaign against what's happening in Mexico at all. Well, We've had no to way. fight because they We've have had to fight control. for every step. And that's what that was your point. They were trying to control the area and innocent families like yours destroyed in the process. Now, we're going to have to close this, but we want to have you back on again in the, in the show and report back to us. Tell us a little bit about your foundation and how folks can contribute and, and be a part and, and learn more. I have a graphic on here. Let me see if I can bring this up here. Yeah, so honestly, at this moment, we have cases, we have work waiting for funding, honestly. we This will be forever, the amount of help that is needed. We're obviously super active about um, a harsher stance on everything that's going on in Mexico and the border in general. But uh, we also want to help individual cases as well. We want to help other people find justice. We really feel that every case solved, Mexico is at a 98% impunity rate. That means they're not prosecuting any of their cases. Everybody, it's, it's like the Wild West. I don't know how else to 
to tell you it's horrible. So we are really working to change that trajectory, to make a difference, to make it to where it's to normalize the solving cases once again and fighting for that change. And so we help victims on an individual basis. We also do a lot of activism for lobbying and um, legislative change as well. So any, any donation helps, honestly, if you could just find it in your hearts to... Well, it's just across the border. If it, it helps you, if I could take my one prayer on this show is for you to understand it's not Mexico's problem. It's it's happening here too. It's the same cartels. We have the same fight and we have a common enemy. And if we work together, I do think we can make a difference. So Adriana, uh, for our podcast listeners, uh, uh, our viewers can see your website, but tell our podcast listeners just how they can learn more. So you can go to ronitaviva.com. Um, and visit there's everything you can find there donation page um ronita viva we're on twitter we're on facebook we're on instagram tiktok uh we are we've been working for four years we've already had the teams we've been paying for everything with our own money but we're just now really uh really putting all of our work out there a little more now of what we've been doing and and asking for more help so we can make a bigger impact and help more people well, thank you so much for sharing this heart-rending story. Uh, and of course, we're not doing it justice, but our hearts are with you. And I'd like to encourage each of you viewers to head on over to ronitaviva.com and uh, learn more how you can help. Uh, you know, our government's not doing anything. We're having to look towards individual citizens, just like you viewers here, to get involved and help us out thank you so much adriana appreciate thank you so so much chris and thank you all for thank hearing you. my story i appreciate it thank you we'll be right back the headrest safe is quick and easy to use some may even call it a game changer the headrest safe acts as a safety net protecting your belongings while keeping them out of sight and out of bounds of others serving as security while also keeping your valuables inbounds. That's what the headrest safe provides for me. Game, set, match. Let's bring on our next guest. You know, we had promised uh, you folks that if you subscribed to our emails that you would learn how to shoot more accurately and faster. And I have with me Dr. Chet Nirenberg. Now, I call him Dr. Chet because he's twice a doctor. Uh, from what I understand, he's a doctor of physics and an MD. And he's brought all of that talent and knowledge right to bear on this particular problem of shooting more accurately. Tell us a little bit, Dr. Chet, tell us a little bit about Go Gun USA and the gas pedal system. Uh, thank you. And, and first, uh, thank you for having me. I agree with all your introductory comments. Uh, my heart goes out to Adriana, a, a terrible thing that happened, which kind of brings me to my motivation, which is self-defense for the everyday person. And uh, I had a chance to chat at length with Scott, uh, and he is the real deal. He's a patriot extremely experienced, has served our country. So when he talks, you should listen. Um, so that's my introduction. And my motivation in this whole project is to make self-defense easier. 
for the everyday person or for law enforcement if they should be in a situation, basically for the good guys. Now, Scott, uh, you had a chance to put it through its paces. Now, the 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 whole story uh, we're not going to be able to show here entirely. You're going to make this uh, available online, but I think I have some video here that I can put in the background, and maybe you could tell us a little bit about your experience. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. Uh, yeah. So, Doctor Chet sent sent one in. Uh, took it out to took it out to a range put it through its paces. And I spent some time with him on the phone before we started and asked him about the theories of it and, and exactly how to execute this. And so here's the model that I use, put it on a six specter. And I've had these similar type of devices in the past, but I always use them as more of a thumb rest. And so once he started getting into the physics and the physiology of the grip, it made a lot of sense. But the thing is, I went from about, one, I did three round groups with without the gas pedal, and then I did three a bunch of three round uh, groups with the gas pedal and i dropped about 10 percent right off the bat and as i'm showing the target here you can see that they're all pretty much a zone you know where usually if i'm trying to go fast and on the ragged edge i'm getting you know a really big group you know the faster you go you push it until you till you start missing and then you bring it back in a little bit uh but it really made it a lot easier with having that this this hand loose and it was something that i'm going to continue to to work on to see if I can even uh, drop it down even more because I've been known to grip the hell out of the gun, like Glocks and stuff like that. You know, I've been, I've, I've went to do reloads and not been able to get the magazine in because I have squeezed the grip and like oblonged it and I and it won't go in. I thought I broke the gun when I released, then the magazine goes in. So it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's just small problems, but this is a, this is a really good solution. But the thing is, is the philosophy behind it. Yeah. It's his opposing grip philosophy that really made a difference. And uh, Dr. Chet, how could you, you know, your physiology, how long did it take for you to come up with this? You know, like I said, I was into ergonomics as being a sports medical physician and it didn't make sense. So then I started talking about the physics, the anatomy and so forth and how you get the most strength on the gun. You really do if you use your left thumb because your left thumb is, is the strongest part of your hand. And the most common error that I think all of you folks would agree with is the Joe average shooter, the beginner and so forth. They're going to jerk their shots, uh, usually to the left if they're right-handed and the other way if they're left-handed. So this allows your trigger finger to be really loose and precise. Uh, with this hand being loose and being relaxed, do you think that people would have less chance of a sympathetic trigger squeeze in a hostile or defensive situation? If, if, if instead of going in scared and both hands all clenched, if they're training themselves to shoot with this hand more relaxed, do you think there would be less of a chance of someone accidentally squeezing the trigger if they're startled or if they're scared? Oh, oh absolutely. There's less chance of an accidental unintended discharge and this is why some of the SWAT teams uh, around the country are using it in, you know, bad situations. And quite a number of police departments are using it, too. So, you know, uh, one of the principles of, of trigger control is, is first you take up the trigger, get it to the, the break point, And then when you want to actually, you know, ignite the gun, you press backwards. So that doesn't change. That's a principle but it makes it easier to do because you have a lot more precise uh, action of your right hand when it's loose. And, 
You know, the other point that Scott made is absolutely in any kind of motorsport, athletics, whatever you name it, the tenser you are, the worse you do. Mm. You have to have you have to be relaxed in order to have good coordination. And, you know, uh, part of being relaxed is confidence and repeatability. So this will give you confidence that, hey, I can get a grip. And the other comment that you made about the tighter groups that is correct because the opposable grip concept controls recoil in all four directions of recoil, which a lot of people don't understand. Uh, and this is where the physics comes in. So recoil is not just one thing. And then that picture up there, that's, go back to it and nerd it out if you, you want, because that, that shows it. You can't, you can't get it on the first thing, but that shows it. But it, Dr. Chen, now, go ahead. Uh, we're starting. We're getting close to the end of our segment here. Okay. We're getting some questions. Mm -hmm. First of all, uh, we, we this this fella here, uh, Jim Warren, uh, says, uh, Scott, I've seen you deform the grip of a Glock before. So uh, you know, uh, this is you know maybe Scott can start a new chapter, Grippers uh, Anonymous or Alcoholics for Grippers or something because uh, it, he did grip a little too tightly. And then uh, John Crable says, if an experienced shooter like Scott can improve that much quickly, you know, imagine what it could do for each of us. And I, I think that's a good point. So I'm going to jump in here because uh, Tim Brown off of Facebook would like to know, uh, do you have to buy a new holster? Yeah, that was uh, my that? next question right here. He's right up. Yeah, do you have to buy a new holster? Two questions. Uh, yes, it does improve pretty dramatically. And, and, you know, USPSA racing competition, I always told people, hey, you put the gas pedal assist on your firearm and you can move up a class. And that's pretty true. The holster question is the one that I get asked all the time mm -hmm. and there are a number of holsters that are right out of the box great um if you want a big brand name safari land is good uh if you want some of the custom brands four brothers is excellent uh so is works and there's a, a lot of boutique ones but even if you don't want to buy a new holster almost all holsters these days are some sort of polymer so all, it's a very easy modification for your existing holster. You just kind of heat up where the gas pedal would go with a hairdryer, a heat gun, put your firearm in there, mold it around, let it cool off, you're done. I mean, if you know what you're, if you've done it before, you can do it two or three minutes. If you're kind of bumbling around, maybe five minutes. But, Our last uh, question here is from Sonia Christian. Scott, how many rounds before you started feeling comfortable with it? How long did it take? Uh, it only took about a hundred rounds. Uh, it, the, the, it feels very weird to relax your main support hand. So when, once I started to relax it and I trusted that my hand wasn't going to slip out or something like that, you know, cause the, the, the gas pedal itself gives that ledge for you to, so holding the gun just like this, it, it makes it very easy to grip this. I have a hundred percent control of this firearm right now, but it makes it, it's, it's just a mental disconnect in just making myself relax this hand and just keep it loose. Uh, it's, it's, it takes a second, but once I did, I started to see exactly what he was talking about and how everything, you know, came through. So it, uh, it, it really sped things up. So, Dr. Chet, uh, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, two last questions. Uh, retail price and where can people go to get it? Now, a lot of folks can see your URL right here on the 
on the on the screen, but we have some podcast listeners. So uh, tell us how much and where to find it. GoGunUSA.com will give you an incredibly big selection of products uh, on the web. Uh, we also have some retail dealers uh, around the country that are, are selling it. The prices, uh, most of them are around 50 to $60. However, there's a range of prices depending upon you know, what you want. They're, they go as low as you know, $29 and as high as 100 just depends on you know what model and which firearm. I just happen to have right here uh, one of my favorites just to demonstrate, which is a Hellcat. And the problem with micro pistols are really hard to control, but with the gas pedal solves that micro pistol problem. Hey, well, guys, uh, make sure you subscribe to Gun Stuff TV, our emails, and you'll be getting all this already. You'd already know about it. But hey. Head on over to GoGunUSA.com and learn more. Dr. Chet, thanks for being on the show. And we'll be right, oh, thanks. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. It's time for something different. Challenge Targets manufactures the most innovative targets in the world. If you're looking for new ways to improve your training, sharpen your skills, or spice up your home range, you need to check us out. Challenge Targets produces durable, commercial-grade targets that engage and challenge the shooter. If you're a firearms instructor, a match director, a competitive shooter, or anyone who loves to shoot and values high-quality products and top customer service, Challenge Targets is the company for you. Challenge Targets, world-class targets from a company you can trust. Are you up to the challenge? studio today right here who's been sitting here quietly and patiently and and, <laughs> and, uh, and there he is in his glory and uh, we're glad to have him on our show let me see if I can bring uh, him on here here we are Greg Medford of medfordknife.com Greg thanks for being on our show today thanks for having me on the show Chris Ursula yeah. well tell us a little bit uh, I'm just trying to wonder you know, I've been doing some extensive research. I think I figured out the name of your company. Uh, I think I figured out where you got the name Medford Knife. Uh, <laughs> so, Greg, Greg Medford, tell us a little bit how you got started in the business of knife making, and and how long ago was it, and and uh, what got you into it? Well, uh, I, I was, you know, it's kind of crazy. I was in um, the military. I got out of the military. I went into the martial arts business here in Arizona. Uh, 30 years ago after the first Gulf War. And uh, when I got back here, I kind of threw myself fully into that, had several martial arts schools. I also became an uh, air show pilot during that time, was a stunt pilot around the U.S. performing at air shows. And when the recession started in 08, it really hit Arizona pretty hard. It was one of these kind of moments where you kind of take a look in the mirror and I was kind of in the entertainment business and I was in a kind of really recreational kind of niche hobby business. And I had friends who were in manufacturing. And I looked around and I said, well, I want to be in manufacturing because they were busy as can be. And uh, the whole world was, you know, shutting down, figuring out, you know, so many people were like, hey, is, am I useful? What do I, what do I actually do? And, but my friends that own factories and were in manufacturing, they didn't wonder that. So I, I drew up some knives, invited over a bunch of Marine Corps buddies and 
I said, hey, which ones do you like? They all pointed to a different model. And I rented a building the next day, uh, bought a grinder the day after that, made my first knife a week later. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. I, I made a, I, made, I, I was really on social media showing my process of learning how to make knives. And it just turned into a thing. And I made a knife, uh, you know, my knives were around back in those days around 550 bucks a pop. And everybody thought it was outrageous. And I said, well, that's what it actually costs to make it in the U.S. And I explained it. And it was like a collective light bulb went off and people went, holy smokes. And then um, I had, you know, people within the knife collectors groups, they were kind of griping about the pricing. And I said, well, I'm going to make this other knife that's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. It's like the Bugatti of knives. <laughs> so I made a ridiculous knife. I made one of them by hand. I showed the process making it. And I sold 10,000 of them. And the knife cost... The knife, 10,000 Bugattis. Right. <laughs> Except the knife was $1,200. So, you know, almost 15 years ago, it was a $1,200 pocket knife. I sold 10,000 of them and basically launched my company. It was crazy. So uh, I'd, I'd just like to say thank you for your service. You know, I, I was in around the same time frame as you and, and uh, you know, getting out and trying to figure out what do you want to do. And, I mean, it, it sounds yeah. like you you went around the world and did a bunch of different things. And, and then this is what you landed on. And I'm just... I'm just happy you did because I'm, you know, I've been all over your site. Your your knives are works of art. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of videos on them and the durability and all this stuff. And they are, uh, they, they are amazing. The thing about knives is the oldest industry in the United States is a knife company. Yeah. The oldest industry in the United States is gun. So gun and knife are, you know, weapons and tools are these staples of mankind. It's how we it's really how we craft the world around us. It's what separates us from beasts, right? Mm -hmm. So whether it's a firearm and you have made your dangerous place in the world a little bit safer, or whether it's a really good knife that is some sort of talisman of quality that you take either on a great adventure or when I had guys going off to Afghanistan and Iraq with it, it's a thing to make you 1% more confident, maybe feel um, a little bit more professional in what you do. I mean, th these talismans or these tools are talismans to quality and mission and professionalism. Hey, Greg, speaking <laughs> of quality here, right on the screen, our viewers, uh, I just pulled this up, a random of, of, of some of the photos you folks mm -hmm. sent. Now, is that Damascus steel on there? What, and tell our viewers exactly that, that pattern, that's not etched on there. That is part of the metal. Am I right? That's correct. So that steel is actually made by a friend of mine named Chad Nichols. He's down there in the south uh, southeast of the United States. And uh, it's a stainless pattern. Uh, it's called Raindrop Damascus. As you see, it looks like raindrops falling in a pool. Um, that blade's called the Gentleman Jack. And it's uh, my, one, you know, it's kind of one of my attempts for a really modern take on an old-fashioned style. So it's a gentleman's slip joint style knife. Um, but it's made of premium new materials. And it's not old Damascus. It's a really modern form of Damascus. And Ursula, I saw you brandishing a weapon here. Uh, of course, I was very concerned about uh, what you were doing with it. No, so, what is that um, you got? So it was funny. So when I uh, actually got introduced to Greg, um, I ended up getting a Praetorian Swift. This is all made in America. It's actually made in northern or North Phoenix. Flip it over, woman, so they can see it right side up. There you go. Got, got to see there you go. And I even have my name on it. So if I, yeah, because if I shank you with it, you know it's personal. So, <laughs> so it's actually super cool. And then I realized how much of a dude Greg was because he called that red. And I'm like, dude, it's Merlot. It is totally a Merlot color. Okay. Yeah, yeah she but, went all Northern California. I mean, I'm like, Merlot. <laughs> 
Merlot. What's a Merlot? No, but I absolutely love this. Is actually my EDC. So, uh, love that knife. Um, I've got another line called the American service knife in 130 years. We've not had great competition for, um, the little, uh, red, uh, pocket knife that everybody in the world knows about. I have a competitor to that called the American service knife. You can go to ASK.com. So it's got a form factor that if you've got a couple of Democrats in your office or a couple of liberals, they may cry. If you take out one of my knives or, you know, maybe wet themselves a little bit, this is just a knife friendly little knife. It's uh, except it's made of fantastic premium powdered steel made in the U.S. The parts are all titanium. This, the, you could take the knife apart, open it up. The liners are titanium. The handles are injected here in Scottsdale. The pins are stainless. All the tools are made of premium powdered stainless. So tell our viewers what they're looking at here, Greg. Um, that's a Marauder. It's uh, about the sixth knife I ever designed. That one's been all custom sculpted, anodized, and the blade was custom oxided while it was coming out of heat treat. That's called our Vulcan finish. The Vulcan nice. finish. And uh, do you have actual Vulcans working in the factories that are, are, are doing this? <laughs> I'm the, uh, I'm, am I, I flip between being passionless and completely uh, logical to uh, being crazy and online calling somebody out. So I kind of go right, right between. Okay, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> I go between Vulcan and Romulan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Provoking or Romulan. Uh, no Klingon, though. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Hey, now I'm going to ask you a question yeah. about the Chad Nichols Marauder. Now, what are we looking at here? Why? Uh, who is this Chad Nichols, and why did he get the honor of getting the name of this weapon? Well, uh, Chad makes this um, uh, steel, and I believe he's out in Alabama. He's either Alabama or Mississippi, um, but he makes this stuff out of his place, and then I buy it from him a couple times a year in small batches. That. That steel you're looking at in the blade is Damascus on both sides of the blade and has a layer of, uh, I believe it's XHP core, uh, which is that that uh, smoky edge that you see where the actual cutting edge is. Mm -hmm. That's a narrow piece of steel between two pieces of Damascus. So that the sides of the blade are Damascus. The core of the blade is a solid, high-performance, hard edge. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can see that on the very back spine of the blade as well obviously with a fully sculpted handle. Some incredible nice. work here, yeah. Greg. Now, Thanks. you kept referring to your factory. Where are these things made exactly? Well, they're made at our place uh, that's uh, near uh, the I-17 and 101 in Phoenix, North Phoenix. And I've got about 50 craftsmen that work with, work for me. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. MedfordKnife.com? MedfordKnife.com, yeah, and ASKKnife.com for my American Service Knife brand, yeah. Greg, thanks for being on the show, yeah. and uh, we're going to have you back and learn more because it sounds to me that we didn't even scratch the surface. There are so many knives. Did you say scratch? Yeah. <laughs> no, no scratches. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. So, uh, gosh, from the border to knives, uh, we heard a lot today. Uh, Adriana really had a... Uh, a horrific story uh, to, to share with us. And it's one I, I'm afraid that's being told over and over again in this country. What do you think, Ursula? It is. It's, uh, it's really sad because um, a lot of stuff have been spilling over. This is not the first time something like that has happened. Um, and I know with our current administration, it's going to continue to happen. So until yeah. uh, both U.S. and Mexico actually kind of like figure out, hey, we need to we need to fix this. Like this should not be happening. Um, it's going to continue. So. Hey, Scott. Yeah, and the... Uh I was going to ask you just a quick question here. Now uh, you're a new convert. You've got a new, faster way to shoot. Now are you going to tell your other friends, competitors about it, or are you going to keep it to yourself? 
<laughs> uh, no, absolutely. It, it, you know, it's one of those things. It's it's for me, it's free information. You know, you pass that along to anybody you can, you know, because everybody wants to shoot better. And if everybody's shooting good, that's just going to make me shoot faster because I got to try and keep up, yep. you know. So uh, but one thing I would like to add on 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 to the earlier segment as well is, uh, you know, I, I served when I was in the when I was in the military, I was assigned down to the border for a little while in the early 90s. And, you know, we, we when there was a spike in the early 90s in border crossings and stuff like that. And and then I lived with multiple border patrol agents for quite some time in, in, in around 2005. Mm-hmm. And they have known how to fix this problem all along. Uh, it's just the, our, you know, our elected leaders are not taking care of business. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. They know how to solve this problem of, 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 of illegal immigration. They just won't let them and they just won't enforce it. And that's something that I, I really hope, you know, comes to the forefront and really becomes to, it starts to evolve the human trafficking, the fentanyl, all that stuff can be stopped and they just are not stopping it. They are just choosing not to. So every one of these stories is something that, uh, you know, that our elected officials are letting happen. We're going to have to leave it, leave it there. And want to thank each of you for participating. Head on over to gunstuff.tv and sign up for our email blast. And until next time, get your stuff from Gunstuff.